We talking hoops season two. Let's go. What up, though? It's your coach. Who talks hoops the most? It's Coach Cam with the podcast flow. Jump shot is still wet and the podcast goes. Talking hoops all day, worldwide, across the globe, overseas to the league. Big 10 to the GLIAC, AU to high school and any gym that he at. Highlights, offers, who's about to transfer, was coach getting hired? Coach Cam's got the answer, he's that dude. Too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Cause we talking hoops, yeah. It's your coach that knows hoops the most and we back, man. It's week two, what it do? Another episode for my hoop heads, my my basketball aficionados, my guys that want to come and listen to some hoop talk. We talking hoops, baby. Ain't nothing else left to talk about but a lot of hoops. This week, we're going to cover the NBA, of course. We're going to cover college. Get into some small college basketball. We're going to talk JUCO a little bit, talk some D3 in Michigan. We're going to cover Michigan State and their whole waiver debacle. Going to talk about high school. Uh, practices started this week. So that was that was big for here in Michigan. Uh, high school teams started practice this week, so we're gonna cover some high school teams. We might we might even feature a high school coach on this pod or a scout. I'm not quite sure. People's schedules kind of messed up, but anyway, we right back at it. You know where I'm gonna start? I'm gonna start with the best players in the world. Start with the best league in the world, the NBA, the National Basketball Association. Now, even though ratings are down. And they say that the ratings are down this year as compared to the last five or six years. And, and I can see why. Uh, you had the team that's won the, the NBA title the last uh, three or four years, the, the Golden State Warriors. And they're tanking. They look really bad. They're, they're bad to watch on TV. And they're still putting them in primetime games. They're still putting them on ESPN. And they have the worst record in the NBA. They are bad. Like, stop putting them on TV, first off. Second off... Part of the reason why the ratings are down is everybody wanted to beat the Warriors. And now that they're beaten, it's like, okay, now what do I watch? KD is hurt. Zion is hurt. The Knicks suck. Like, who am I really watching? Okay, LeBron, I, I could watch LeBron and the Lakers. But they on the West Coast, they play their games at 1030 at night. So my East Coast fans is just like, I'm stuck with the East Coast teams because the Lakers and everybody else play too late. And you got so many injuries to a lot of big stars. I can see why the NBA is struggling for ratings. Their best markets, like the, New York is bad. Of course, L.A. is good. You got the Clippers and the Lakers. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, you, I mean, us hoop heads, yeah, we're going to pay attention to it. But just the general public, if you have the team that's won the NBA title three out of the last four years or two out of the last three, and... Even the other team that was competing with them, the Cleveland Cavs, and and they're bad. They no, no longer have LeBron and, and other players, and, and they're not one of the top teams in the league. So the last five years, two of the top teams in the league, the last five years are irrelevant. So those fans that were watching these two teams and might have been catching everybody else, they're not watching anymore. I want to say their ratings is like 18%. And that's not that's not good for the NBA. It's not good for the NBA. Even though there's some great basketball to watch, the ratings are very bad. And if they want to change those ratings, get these new stars on the front screen. 
get the Devin Bookers on there. I want to see them. I want to see the Hornets on there. I, I want to see these youngsters. I want to see Greek Freak in prime time. I, I don't want to. I don't want to see his his highlights after the fact. I want to see them in prime time. I want to see the Sixers. I want to see the up and coming Magic. I want to see you know Dallas and Luca. Put them prime time. Tired of seeing the Warriors there are terrible. Stop showing them. Stop showing the Spurs. Like, we don't care about the Spurs and popping them over. They trash. You know what I'm saying? Stop showing these teams. So they need to adjust that. The one thing that the NBA is doing well, scoring is up. Now, I don't know if guys, like, forgot to how to play defense or they don't care or what's going on, but teams are scoring 130, 140, 150. Like, they putting some points on the board. And I'm thinking to myself, like, did defense change? Does defense no longer win championships? Is, does, is scoring going to win championships? Is this the year where Mike D'Antonio, his system works? This might be the year his system works. The Rockets, they're 11-3. and three. They're one of the top three teams in the West, one of the top three teams in the league. They got the best score in the league. James Harden's averaging 38 a game. And Russell Westbrook's averaging 24 a game, almost 50, 60 points a game coming from these two guys. And... They're scoring like you can't believe. They're putting up 140, 130, 135. And it's not just them. It's a lot of teams scoring well over 100 points. Well over. Now, I like listening to Jalen Rose and the Jalen Jacoby podcast. Big ups to them. Keep giving them checks. And the one thing Jalen Rose said was, nowadays, the guys are so uberly skilled and the league is built around, right now, the game is built around guys who can score. So if you can score, if, if offense is your thing, it's built around your game. It's not a defensive player's game, which is why they talk about two-way players all the time. Because now the focus is on offense. And for the NBA to progress here, if they want to pick up their rankings, I kind of like the way it's going because it's exciting. It's entertaining to watch. I mean, you got guys putting up some crazy numbers. I mean, Harden averaging almost 40 points a game, averaging almost 40 points a game. And teams are putting up some crazy numbers here to start. So hopefully the rankings pick up. But I can see why they're, they have been low. I can see why they've been low because some of the best teams in the last four or five years – they're no longer the best teams. You got some new bloods out here. Now, my man Melo is back, baby. My man Melo is back. I know we talked about it briefly last week about the Portland Trailblazers picking up Carmelo Anthony. And I'm excited. I'm excited for Carmelo. I'm excited that he's back in the league after a whole year. He kind of got blackballed a little bit. And, and I don't really know why. I mean, I know why. Because he didn't want to settle in and be a Vince player. And Portland brought him on in a non-guaranteed contract, but still starts him. So it's like, if, if he's a non-guaranteed guy, and he still starts the first two games of his career in Portland... Don't, don't don't he deserve a contract? Like, don't he deserve a deal? Like, what's the non-guaranteed part? Are you, like, covering? Are you CYA right now? Like, come on, Portland. You need help. Because right now, Dame is hurt. And you playing with C.J. McCollum. And a bunch of just randoms. It's C.J. McCollum and, and, and Carmelo right now. And they look, oh, man, they look bad. 
Oh, man, they look really bad. Even though Carmelo, his first game, he had 10 points on 14 shots, which is plus minus, isn't very good. And a lot of people had something to say about his plus minus the first game. Here's what I'll tell you. I'm 38 years old. Now, if I wanted to go out and play a basketball game tomorrow at the highest level that I can play, there's no way I can do it. And and I'm in decent shape. Actually, I'm not in decent shape because I haven't been in the gym. But for somebody to go from the couch or to go from just working out with this guy at Lifetime, which he had been doing, to starting an NBA game in less than 72 hours, like that's pretty impressive. At age 35, like at age 35, like my bones started to tell me, hey, my man, you need to slow down. You need to slow down before you, you tear Achilles, before you blow an MCL, like you need to slow down. And I did. I slowed down. I stopped playing as much as I used to. And I started doing more workouts, shooting workouts, more cardio, because I don't want to be that coach rolling around on a scooter because I didn't blew my Achilles trying to show these young boys what's up. When the man Carmelo went from the couch to start an NBA game and playing 25 minutes. That is impressive. It's impressive. So forget the stat line. I don't care what Carmelo Anthony's stat line was his first game back. I don't care. This man, 72 hours prior, was on the couch watching Sports Center like everybody else. And then he got a phone call and said, Oh, Portland gonna sign me? Okay, cool. And in two more days, he's starting for the Portland Trailblazers in the best league in the world. So that is impressive. I don't care how many. And he still got double figures. He still got double figures. Now, it took him 14 shots and scored 10 points. That's tough. That's, that's, That's not very good. But. Just the feat in itself was really good. So shouts out to Carmelo. I'm glad that he's black with back with the Blazers. His second outing was a lot better than his first. I want to say I want to say he had 16, 5, and 4, which is pretty good numbers for him. And even though they lost, they're bad. I mean, that Ross, they needed help. And that's the reason why they went out and got Melo. And they might go out and get somebody else because they just need help. Right now, they're they're not very good. Dame is hurt. Now, they will be a different story when Dame comes back. When you take 25 to 30 points off the board, it ain't too many guys that can replace that. Let's just be real. Let's just keep it a buck. It ain't too many people that can do that. So when you take that off the board, when guys like that get injured, it's like, holy crap, what are we going to do? And they're holding water for as, for as long as they can, but they're just not a very good basketball team right now. They're at the bottom of the West. They don't have the worst team in the West, but they have one of them, and they, they need some help. But I'm glad to see Carmelo Anthony back in the NBA wearing a double zero. He, he ain't got him a new jersey number, and he had a whole explanation for it, and I ain't going to go into it. But I like that. I like to see Melo back in the league. He deserves to be in the league, and he deserves a guaranteed contract not this non-guaranteed mess because if you're willing to start the man then you should be willing to pay him money so what else we got going on in nba we got the lakers they still up top the lakers still up top ad and lebron still doing their thing like you know they should and and ain't really much more i can say about the lakers other than they getting it done they getting it done they in prime time, showtime. They playing the best teams. They ain't playing a weak schedule. They playing some good teams. When I look at the Lakers schedule, it's not like they playing some teams that they should be blowing out. It, they're actually playing some good competition. 
and they showing out. And it's not just the AD LeBron show. Danny Green is shooting the ball at a high clip. Dwight Howard is playing some of the best defensive basketball of his career. Now, granted, he was two-time Defensive player of the year in Orlando. He's not that type of player defensively. What I'm saying is he's doing great in ball screen coverage. He's doing great in covering the paint. He's doing great on the glass and blocking shots when he can. So I'm not saying he's one of the best defenders in the league. I'm saying in his role right now for this team, coming off the bench, he's doing a great role being a defender and a rebounder, and that's it. They're not looking for him for points. They're looking for him for minutes, control the paint, which he's been doing, and getting a few block shots here and there when you can. They're not looking to come down and throw it to him on the block and tell him, my man, I need to get 10, 12 points from you every half. They're not saying that, which is good. So Dwight Howard has been good in this role. Alice Caruso, he's really good off the bench. They got some pieces. The Lakers have more than just AD and LeBron. They got some guys on that roster. And now you're starting to see Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma, a week ago, he was just starting to get in the realm of things from being injured. Now he's starting to roll a little bit. Now you're starting to see him put up 15 and 5, 16 and 7. You know what I'm saying? 17 and 5. Like he's starting to pull up good numbers. You know what I'm saying? Not all-star numbers, but good numbers for a guy that's been in the league three, four years. So Kyle Kuzma adds a different level of production for this team and it makes them a better team so the lakers are still a top and they should be because they got players and their players are making plays so you know i talked i like to talk about the best teams in the league and the los angeles lakers are one of the best teams in the league luca 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 oh my goodness oh my goodness how does Shanae used to say Oh my goodness. Luca is the real deal, people. He's the real deal. Okay, when he, he was in the draft, they used to talk about this phenom, this guy from overseas, this guy named Luca. Like he's good. He's he's like Ricky Rubio, but he's 6'7 and he can do things. He can shoot it better. He's a great prospect. He's he's an outstanding player over there. How is this game gonna translate to America? We're not sure. Oh, we're finding out this year. We are finding out this year that Luca Doncic is the truth. Okay. The man can go. He can shoot it. He can put it on the floor. He's great with the ball screen. He got the little mid-range to his game. He dishing it. He got shooters. He, hey, man, Luca, Luca, nice, man. Luca is real nice. And the thing that's scary about Luca, he ain't even 21 years old. Luca young. So you're going to see Luca and Porzingis, that tandem, you're going to see that tandem for some years. They might not be in the hunt this year, but next year, going forward, they are going to be in the hunt. Luka is the real deal. I watched him last week against the Lakers, and he put up a triple-double. This man already got seven triple-doubles to start the NBA season. Seven of them. He ain't played but 10, 11 games. He got seven triple-doubles. This is his second year in the league. If that ain't enough for you right there in itself, I don't know what is. I really don't. What the man, what else does the man have to do to prove that he can play this game? Now, the thing about Luca is he's not very fluid. Like his game is kind of like Ginobili-ish. And what I mean by that is kind of irky jerky. It's kind of, you know, it looks like 
you know, when you watch him play, it's just like, uh, you know, does he really got a game like that? And then you look in the box score, and he got 36 points and 11 rebounds and 13 assists, and you like, ooh-wee, man, them some, them some crazy numbers right there. Like, to get a triple-double in the NBA, like, you have to be a very, very good player. That doesn't happen often. If they did, then you would have a guy on every team getting a triple-double. If they happen that often. They don't. And for this man to have seven of them, seven triple-doubles, and he wears number 77. I think he did that on purpose for this podcast. He's really, really good. I mean, he's he's got the passing skills of J-Kid. I mean, he's got the ball savviness of Steve Nash. He's a really good player. So you need to go check out Dallas. Now, I know they're still putting the Warriors on primetime TV. They beat the Warriors by 50. Now, the Warriors are trash. They are trash. They probably got one guy on that roster playing right now that I mess with. I talked about him last week, Pascal. I mess with him. Everybody else probably going to be kicking rocks next year. Pretty sure everybody else is going to be kicking rocks next year outside of D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell was like, man, I came here for this. Like, this is trash. Like, I didn't come here for this. But what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is this. Make sure you tune into the Dallas Mavericks and you watch Luka Doncic get down because the man is the real deal. So moving on, I had a chance to watch a really good game last night. I watched the Clippers and the Celtics. Very intriguing to me because I wanted to see, even though the Celtics are the top team in the East, I wanted to see if they could take what they've been doing early on in the season and if they could take it out West, take the show out West and do the same thing. And it was a very good game. Both teams were going at it. The Clippers ended up winning in overtime. And the thing that hurt Boston to me was their inside play. They got the guards, they got the wings, they got the forwards. But their presence inside isn't enough. It isn't enough on the glass. It isn't enough defensively. And when you got guys like Jalen Brown trying to guard Kawhi Leonard, it ain't going to work. When you got Jason Tatum trying to guard Harrell, it ain't going to work. Their inside play is suspect. Okay, They bring in Enos Cantor off the bench. He gives them solid minutes. They start this. He gives them solid minutes. And they got the other rookie or or young player uh, that they got. I think it's Williams. I forget his name. And they're not very good. And let's just let's keep it. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it all the way a buck. Their inside play is gonna cost them. Because what's gonna happen is when they play the Sixers and they play the Bucks, they have no matchup for the Greek freak. Who is going to guard the Greek freak? Jason Tatum. Man, he's going to put his little butt on the box. They have no matchup for the Greek freak. When they play the Sixers, they have no matchup for Horford. They got no matchup for Embiid. So their, their guards are going to have to play extremely well for them to beat those teams. Now, they've already beaten the Sixers, which is good for them. They've beaten some good teams. The small ball that they're doing, I'm not so set that they can win at a high level, like championship level. I'm not talking about make the playoffs. I'm not sure if they can win at a championship level playing small ball. Because playing Jason Tatum at a four, that's tough. Losing Hayward was tough for them because now it forces them to play small ball. And I'm not sure if they can. And Kimball Walker's been playing phenomenal. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum has been playing phenomenal. But I think their small ball game is going to hurt them 
especially when they start playing these big physical teams like the Bucks and 76ers. So we're going to keep an eye on the Celtics. Even though they have the best team in the East, I think their, their big play is going to slow them down in the future. Two other East teams I would like to mention. One of them is the NBA champs. You got to talk about the champs. You have to talk about the champs. The Toronto Raptors are in the mix, and they're not in the mix by fluke. They are in the mix because they have players. Pascal Siakam is a player from the Himalaya. He's a player, man. 6'8", put it on the floor, do it all. He's a player. Pascal averaging 25, 8, and 4. This comes from the guy, I want to say he was the NBA's most improved player. And, and right now he's playing at an all-star level. There aren't too many matchups out east that can, that can hold him down. He's a problem. He's a problem on that team, but he ain't alone. Kyle Lowry is looking like that guy that they signed to play on the Olympic team. Before Kyle Lowry got invited to the Olympic team, he was going crazy, putting up great numbers. The numbers he putting up this year, he averaging 21 and 6. That's pretty good numbers for him. That's really good numbers for him, especially from the point guard spot. And when you got a guy backing you up or the guy right next to you, Fred Van Vliet, and he coming in and he pulling in 17 and 7, Fred Van Vliet didn't, didn't hit the jackpot. This guy went from undrafted, second-round pick, the guy making the league minimum to making close to the – well, I wouldn't say close to the max – but he's making a nice amount of money now than he was three years ago. But he's backing it up. I'm putting in 17-7. Seems like Steph Curry and them boys gave him some confidence. So Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's playing at a high level for the Raptors. And Fran Van Vliet. Van Vliet is playing really well for them too. And another team out east that I haven't mentioned before, the Milwaukee Bucks. The, Mo the Milwaukee Bucks, outside of LeBron, might have the best player in the league. Not named James Harden or LeBron James. The Greek freak, the Greek freak has been unstoppable to start the season. He's been averaging 13 points, 13, 30 points. I'm sorry, not 13 points, 30 points, 13 rebounds and six assists. Those are MVP type numbers or first league or NBA numbers. Well, I'll just at least say those are first-team All-NBA numbers. And he's been backing it up. And the game they played tonight, they played the Blazers tonight, even though Carmelo came back. This man dropped 24, 19, and 15. The numbers these guys are putting up are video game. Video game. Like, at some point, some somebody's going to have to start playing some defense and start putting some of these stars and some of these guys making these ridiculous stats, stat lines like this one, 24, 19, and 15 in a game. Come on, man. They put 140 on the Blazers. The Blazers should be ashamed of themselves to let somebody put 140 on them like that. But <clears throat> the Bucks are for real. The Bucks are for real. Bledsoe is playing at a high level. He's 18-5-5. He had 30 tonight against the Blazers. And Middleton is giving you 17-6. and six. So you, you've got some guys that are getting some high-level production. Brooke, Brooke Lopez is, you know this team is good. When George Hill, who's a really good guard and could probably start in over half of the teams in the league, they bring him off the bench. And not only do they bring him off the bench, he don't play a whole lot of minutes. So... You got a guy that's a really good player. You bring him off the bench and he ain't getting a whole lot of minutes. That means the people in front of him can play. And the Greek freak is 
going pretty crazy to start the season. The numbers that some of these players are putting up are it's baffling. It's baffling because when I think about it, so now just defense just don't matter. Everything's about scoring. Everything is about scoring and getting the ball back. Defense does still win championships. Defense still matters. But the way these guys are putting up these crazy numbers, I love it. I love it. Let's go. I'm a scorer. I like to watch scoring as much as I love my beloved Pistons. Some of those games that they used to win were brutal to watch. You got a guy starting at your center who averages less than five points a game. But he gets it done at the defensive end. And every time he get a block and every time he do something, you hear the boom. You hear that? Because, I mean, he had that type of impact. But nobody trying to see all that. Ain't nobody trying to see all of that. So I'm down for the crazy numbers. I'm down. Jalen Rose said James Harden might score 90. And that ain't a hot take. I'm not here to say that he's going to score 90. But he's going to put up some ridiculous scoring amounts because he puts up some of the most ridiculous shots I've ever seen. And he's going to continue He's going to have a game where he's going to score 50 on 50 shots. 50 on 50 shots or 40-something shots. He putting that thing up. And who's to blame? Who's to blame? Because that's Mark D'Antonio's system. And for right now, it's working. But will it work in the playoffs is what everybody wants to know. So that's my NBA take. Give you some few stories, some teams to watch. Some teams that's up and coming, some guys that you might not have been on your radar that are on your radar now. Just make sure you stay tuned for what's coming because we got a lot to get we got a lot to get to. We talking hoops. We talking hoops, baby. In case you didn't know, it's the coach that knows hoops the most. You know I got to talk about my college basketball, one of my favorite sports at the time. I know I ain't got to tell you every week, but we live and popping, man. Some teams, they getting it in. They're going to invitationals. The season is, is, is rolling. Conference hasn't started yet, but you still have some teams that's showing out, that's doing doing good things early on in the season. The, I first want to start with the GLIAC because, you know, I know about the GLIAC Camos because that was the conference I've been involved in the last three years. So I know those players, I know those teams, I know those coaches. So I can give you a little bit more insight than what the most generic person would talk about. But here when we talk in hoops, we don't just talk D1. We don't just talk D2, D3. We're going to talk about hoops, baby. And I want to start with the GLIAC. We've got two ranked teams nationally. The first ranked team nationally I want to talk about is Ashton, team out of Ohio. Uh, they rank number 11th in the country right now. A team that returned everybody from last year's team that went 23-7. and They lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament to Southern Indiana, who ended up making a run all the way to the Elite Eight in Division II, which is a big feat. Like, if, you don't, if you're playing D2 and you're able to get to the Elite Eight, you're doing some big things. So they, they had a really good team last year. They bring everybody back, all five starters they bring back. Their best player is 6'9", 6'10", uh, Drew Noble. And Drew Noble is a traditional big. He's not one of these bigs that's going to be living outside of the arc. He lives in the paint. Very good up and under move. Okay, he, can, he gets it done in the paint. And, and that's what I like. He's averaging 18 a game, 10 rebounds. 
He averaged 17 a game last year, so he's on pace to do exactly what he did. And they return everybody, and they rank number 11 in the country for a reason, and they're going to make a serious run. They're going to make a serious run, so watch out for Ashland. Next team I'm going to talk about, number 23 in the country, Fair State. Now, I've mentioned Fair State before. They're off to an 8-1 and one start. So they stumbled a little bit. They lost to Lewis at home. And Lewis, like I said, is a regional opponent. And sometimes you might stumble here and there. I know they were playing. They've been playing without Jalen McFadden, who's, who was their leading scorer, 18 a game. And he's, he played the first three games. He hasn't played the last five or six. They're playing without him, but you see ups in production from Cole Walker. And, of course, Walter Kelser is still getting buckets. He's averaging 20 a game. And I'm sorry. He's averaging 17 a game. And Fair State, they're still rolling. This team is averaging 91 points per game. That's a lot of points. They got six guys averaging in double figures. So Ferris is rolling. Okay, so when it comes to the GLIAC, the conference play is going to start next week. And they are rolling. That's a team I don't want to play early in the GLIAC season because they average 91 points a game, and that ain't stopping. And I don't see too many teams in this conference that's going to stop Walter Kelser. So they're ranked number 23 in the country. Grand Valley. Grand Valley is off to a 5-1 and one start. They're led by 6'7", Jake Van Tubergen, who's like an old-school type of player, back to the basket. He's long. He's lanky. Kind of reminds me of like a Keith Van Horn in college. Not in the pros. Look that up. That's not a name you're going to hear regularly. He can get it done. He can get it done in the paint, offensive rebounds, tip-ins. Shooting the three really isn't his thing. It's not his thing. He's not a jump shooter. He is going to get it in the paint. Okay, he's going to get the matchup that he wants. They like to play. They like to post their wings and post their forwards and get smaller matchups. And he's already two-time player of the week in the GLIAC, and he's putting them on their back. So he's playing really well for them. Jeremiah Ferguson, who was a Division I transfer, who was a senior for them, point guard. He's averaging around 12 points per game, running the offense for them. And Grand Valley's a team you need to watch in the GLIAC. Grand Valley's a team you need to watch. Because it's hard to win in Allen Fieldhouse. Really hard. If you're a road team and you're playing in that stadium, it's, it's hard to win there. It's hard to win there. So you better catch them on the road as conference play starts next week. So those are three teams I wanted to talk about when we talk about the GLIAC. And like I said, I'm going to talk about the GLIAC because that's the conference I know the most. Okay. You also got Davenport. Davenport is five and two. They, they lost a couple early. They're back rolling again. They've got four or five guys that average in double figures, and they just going to come at you. They average around 80 points per game, and they just going to come at you. They, they got multiple players from multiple positions, long, lanky, and athletic. So if you're not athletic and you're playing Davenport, you're in for a long season. So with, with those teams that I mentioned, you also have Michigan Tech that's right there. That's 2-2. Two and two. Wayne State, they only played three games, but they're 2-1, and one, and they beat Lewis, who just beat Ferris. Now, I know you say, uh, you can't really count that, but for them, that was a really good win for them, them beating Lewis. Whenever, you, whenever you're able to beat a regional opponent, it's always a good win on your schedule. So watch Wayne State. They're going to be somewhere in the middle. I know they were picked last in the conference. They will not finish last. They'll be somewhere in the middle, and Braylon Neely is going to be really tough to guard for Wayne State going forward. Now, I'm not just going to talk D2. Some people, they like to just always talk D1. They want to always talk North Carolina, Duke, Syracuse, all the blue buds. But me, I mix it up. So this week, I'm going to mix in some small college hoops, even smaller than D2. 
two. I'm talking D3 hoops, baby. Here in Michigan, I don't know if you guys understand the level of basketball that's being played in the state of Michigan. And I'm not just talking about from the Division I level. We've got really good Division I level teams. You talk about Michigan State, who's ranked in the country. We're going to talk about them a little later. You talk about Michigan, who they might not be ranked, but they haven't lost a game yet. Even though they haven't played anybody, they still haven't lost a game yet. You got Central Michigan, who's playing well. You got Western, that's playing well. You got Eastern Michigan, that's 6-0 or 5-0. They just went down to, I want to say, Jamaica, and they won the invitation out there. Now, they haven't played some higher-level teams, and you're going to find out in conference what they really made up. But you got some really good teams at the Division I level in Michigan. That's not just Division One. Now let's move to Division Two. You got Ferris State, who's really good. You got Grand Valley, that's really good. You've got Michigan Tech, that's really good. You got Wayne State, that's going to be there in their conference. All right, and that's D two, and I haven't even touched Division Three yet. And tonight, today, on this episode of this podcast, I'm going to talk some D three hoops. I'm talking the M I double And if you're not familiar about D3 hoops in the state of Michigan, you need to be because these teams can play. These players can play. This conference is really, really good. Let's start at the top. At the top of the conference is Hope College. Hope College is coached by Greg Mitchell. Greg Mitchell was a high school coach at Langsburg. I want to say he was there for 15, 20 years, and he was the coach of the year six or seven times. Really good high school coach that's transferred his success from high school to college. Now he's a really good college coach. And we're going to start talking about some of these coaches in the state of Michigan because we have some really good coaches in the state of Michigan, not named Tom Izzo, not named Juwan Howard. Really good coaches. And I'm going to start detailing what some of these coaches are doing. So just this past weekend, Greg Mitchell, who was the head coach at Hope, he just won his 100th game. He's only been there five, six seasons. I want to say this is his sixth season. He already got 100 wins. Their first place in the conference, they're 3-0, and and they're led by Preston Granger. Preston Granger is the 6-7 forward out of Lansing Catholic. He can he, he he's a traditional big for their conference. Now, well, I won't say for his conference. He plays more to four. He's inside out play. You know, he plays all over the floor. However, bigs in this conference aren't going to be six, nine, six, ten, six, eleven. They aren't forwards are basically bigs in this conference. You're basically playing two fours. You're not playing a true five like a lot of division twos, like a lot of division ones. And what I mean by that is a true five at the D3 level isn't 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", and if they are, they're really, really good, and that team is really, really good nationally. Here in the state of Michigan, more times than not, that five is really a four in any other conference at any other level. So they're basically playing two fours, and he's one of those guys, he's averaging 19 and 10 a game for them, and he's basically put them on their shoulders and say, hey, you know what, we're the best team in the conference, and we're going to show everybody what's up. But he's not the only player on that team. Tyler George is a very, very, very high-level shooter on that team. He's averaging 13 in the game. But the guy I really want to talk about on that roster is a freshman. One of the best freshmen in the state, one of the highest recruits that Hope has recruited straight out of college. Didn't transfer. Straight out of college. His name is Evan Thomas. He played at Oklahoma's High School last year. High-level recruit. Probably the biggest recruit that Hope that Hope has gotten in the last, I don't know, however many years, which means that Greg Mitchell can recruit. And when I was on the recruiting trails, he was recruiting some of the same guys I was recruiting. Now, he might not have got them, 
but he found him a gem in Evan Thomas. Right now, he's shooting 67% from three. Not only played three games, but he's eight for 12 from three. He's shooting 52% from the floor. He's averaging 12 points per game as a freshman. And for freshmen to come in the conference or come to any conference at any level and be effective immediately, that means that that kid can play and it's gonna have a very, very successful career at that level if he stays hopefully the Gliad coaches don't come in and say man we missed we missed the uh we missed the we missed on him we missed on him he needs to be playing at our university but Greg Mitchell I already know he's holding him tight he's holding him tight because this kid can play he comes off the bench for him and he's very efficient and he's very effective and he's a freshman pretty sure he's going to be freshman all conference and he's I don't know how long he's going to be coming off the bench. So a name that you need to be paying attention to at the D3 hoops level as a freshman is Evan Thomas for Hope. But Hope isn't the only good team in this conference. you got Albion, who's also 4-1, who made a national run last year. They bring a lot of their pieces back, and they're going through tragedy because they just lost one of their pairs. Rest in peace. Okay? But through tragedy... And through them losing Zach Winston, one of the players that was an integral part to their team, through tragedy, they're playing through that, and they're playing well. They're 4-1. They haven't played some great competition, and you're going to see that change here once conference start. But still, to be 4-1 to start the season, college coaches right now, they're either patting their schedule to get wins, or they got good wins against good teams early. And for Albion, I can't say that they've patched their schedule they've played some good teams and they've got some good wins so look out for Albion this year in this conference and I also want to talk about Kalamazoo Kalamazoo traditionally and I'm not just going to talk about Kalamazoo because my man is the coach there I'm going to talk about them because they're a good team and traditionally Kalamazoo hasn't been mentioned in the top of the MIAA but they're mentioned now and I wonder why that is. I wonder who recruited the players that are there now. They've got a first-year head coach. So he didn't recruit the players that are there now. You might want to look down the bench and see who recruited the players that are there now. But I digress. Their best player, Tanner Bliley. Hopefully I'm, I am saying that correctly. He is averaging 17 points per game. He's shooting 43% per, from three. And he's a 6'3 guard out of three rivers so he's he's on the west side of the state he's shooting the ball at a high level and they're playing really good basketball they're averaging around 78 points per game and and their team to watch in this conference i would like to see how they play against hope i would like to see how they they handle calvin and other good schools in this conference because i think kalamazoo is going to be right there this is going to be one of those years kalamazoo has where people start looking like uh traditionally kalamazoo has been towards the bottom of the conference and that no longer is that way i wonder how that happened and usually when that happens it's usually coaches on the staff that have done a tremendous job recruiting and i just hope people get credit for that i hope coach white who stuck along from the jay smith era is now moving into the era of the new coach and i hope people notice that the the, pe- the players that he recruited there are getting their just due. So shouts out to Kalamazoo off to a three and two start for them, which is really good. They lost, they they won the last three in a row. So watch out for them in their conference. So the Division three conference here in Michigan, small ball here in Michigan. I mean, just basketball in general 
is at a high level. If you play college basketball in the state of Michigan, I don't care what level you play in, we've got high-level JUCO teams. You got Mott, you got Schoolcraft, you got St. Clair Shores, you got Henry Ford, you got teams that's getting it done at the JUCO level. You got teams that's getting it done at the three D3 level. You got teams that's getting it done at the D2 level. You got teams that's getting it done at the D1 level. So I don't want to hear people talk about it ain't players in Michigan. I don't want to hear people say that. Now, the Division I schools, they might not have a bunch of Michigan guys on their roster. But when you look at these schools, when you look at these DT, D2, D3 JUCO teams, they're filled with Michigan players. They are filled with Michigan players. And the JUCO level, if you need a guard in the 2020 class, I'm just going to tell you right now, just go to a Michigan JUCO game. Look up some rosters. Look up the schedules. I want you to go see Mott. I want you to go see Schoolcraft. I want you to see St. Clair Shores, Grand Rapids Community College. It don't matter. It's some players that's playing at the JUCO level. It's some players playing at the D3 level. And here on my podcast, I'm going to talk about them, baby, because we talking hoops. So now let's let's get to some D1 basketball hoops here in the state of Michigan. And I'm going to start with the best team right now. Well, right now, just, just traditionally, the best team right now, Division One in the state of Michigan is Michigan State. They started off the season ranked number one in the country, and they had a stumble the first game. They lost to Kentucky their first game. And they, they had a couple games where they, they finally found their mojo a little bit. And then they go out to the Maui Classic. And they go out to the Maui Classic, and the first team that they play is Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech... Beats them. It beats them first round in the Maui Classic. Hopefully the, the, starting, the Spartan fans that flew all the way out to Hawaii didn't fly out the next day. But when you fly out to Hawaii, you're not there to just watch a game. You're there for the ambiance and everything else. But the Maui Invitational is usually set up to play a couple first or second round games that might be close if you're a high-level team like Michigan State. And hopefully you're playing in a championship game against a Kansas, against a, a really good Big blue blood. You know, you, you, when you look at the teams that's there, you're looking at it. All right, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Michigan State and Kansas in the final. But you're not going to get that because Michigan State lost the first game against Virginia Tech. And against Virginia Tech, they had 16 turnovers. They played slow. They couldn't make jump shots around the perimeter. And this team is going to be judged by how they shoot the ball on the perimeter. If they can make shots on the perimeter, if they can make threes, if Cash and Winston can make threes, if Gabe Brown can make threes, if Malik Hall can stretch the floor and make threes, they're a tough team to beat. If they can't make threes and stretch the floor, they're going to be easily beaten unless they speed the tempo, which is what they're not doing when they lose. They're not scoring in the 80s. They're scoring in the 60s and 70s. When they win, they're scoring in the 80s. So hopefully when Big Ten play starts, hopefully as the, traditionally, Michigan State, how their schedule was set up, they play a lot of big games early in the season. And Izzo ain't dunking nobody. And they're going to have some games off. And I know he had the presser after the game where he basically apologized for how his team played. But he doesn't need to do that. He don't need to explain why his team had an off night. It's going to happen. It's college basketball. You only have to explain why you lost to somebody. You play 30-something games. You're going to stumble there. But you learn more in the losses than the wins. So sometimes you need to lose those early games so you can come back and play a team like Georgia the next night and be able to beat Georgia when they have a player going absolutely nuts. 
Anthony Edwards, and we're going to talk about him here in a second because I want to stay on Michigan State. At Michigan State, they were able to bounce back off of the loss of Virginia Tech when they played slow, they had bad turnovers and couldn't make any shots. They were able to bounce back and beat Georgia. And I've been talking about Michigan State, how they need to speed the tempo up so they can get these wings out. Aaron, Aaron Henry is a transitional player. He's not a half-court player. He's more effective in transition. So if you're able to get out and run and Malik Hall, these guys, get these guys on the wing and run, because you know Cassius will find them, they're more effective when they're slowing the ball down and they're not getting stops and they have to run the play every single time, they are going to struggle. So the way to beat Michigan State right now is to slow them down. Let me let you guys in on a little secret. If you score in the 60s in today's game, you can be beaten. You can be beaten. Michigan State, when they score in the 60s, they score in the 70s, they find themselves struggling. All right, tonight when they play Georgia, they have to score in the 90s to beat Georgia, and that's because they sped the tempo up. They shot better from three. When they lost to Virginia Tech, they were eight for 23 from three. Tonight, they were nine for 17. So they have to be able to shoot a good percentage from three in order to be be effective. They got to be able to make shots. They got to be able to make shots. They got to speed up the tempo, and if they don't, they're going to struggle. So that's Michigan State. Uh, but I want to talk about Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards was already going into the game a projected top five pick. If you didn't know who Anthony Edwards was before the Maui Classic, you do know who he is now. I'm sorry, the, Ma the Maui Invitational. You do know who he is now. He's a 6'6 wing. He plays at Georgia, and he's an absolute dog. He put 37 on Michigan State, 33 in a second half, even though they end up losing 93-85 uh, to Michigan State. I mean, the boy had 37 points. 37. I mean, in the, I don't think people understand how hard it is to score 20 in college, how hard it is to score 25. But to score 30-plus and 33 and a half, that's big-time stuff right there. It's not a whole lot of players that can say, yeah, I put 33 on a half on Michigan State. Ain't a whole lot of players that can say that. And for the, for the season, he's sitting at 20 points per game, five rebounds, three assists. He's not shooting a great percentage from the field. He's only shooting 40% from the field, and that should improve. But having a game like he had today against Michigan State where he drops 37, uh, but you can't have a game before that and have six against Dayton. So going forward in the SEC, hopefully he's going to go and, you know, be the player of the year in the SEC and projected number one draft pick. But when you drop big numbers like that, everybody's going to be like, oh, that's the number one pick. That's the number one pick. No, he's not the number one pick. Sorry to tell you, LaMelo Ball is the number one pick. We'll talk about that when I get to my overseas high school segment or whatnot. But he's not the number one pick. He's won two or three. But for me, for the We Talking Hoops podcast, the number one pick is LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo Ball just dropped a triple-double in Australia playing against grown men. Grown men. That's the number one pick. Not Anthony Evers. Anthony Evers had a really good game against Michigan State. But you got to go back and watch the tape. He just went crazy. He's still only shooting 40% from the field. So he's going to have to improve his shooting percentage. He's going to have to improve games like he had against Dayton. We only had six points. He's going to have to improve that. He's going to have to deliver like this on a nightly basis, basis because that's what it takes to be a pro at a high level. To be a high-level draft pick, to be number one, number two, you got to be able to do this on a nightly basis. You can't just do it one time against Michigan State and say, yeah, remember that game I had against Michigan State? I should be number one pick. Nah, it don't work like that because Markel Fultz, he was number one pick too. And you see he's struggling. 
He in year three or four, and he's struggling to have an impact, even though he's having a much better season this year than he did for Philly last year. But so Michigan State, their next game is uh, today. They play uh, UCLA. They're going to play UCLA today at 2.30 today, meaning the 27th. Because uh, like I said, this podcast, it might drop Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. When I say today, I got to actually tell you what day it is. Uh, <clears throat> their, their schedule coming up is pretty rigorous. I mean, you got UCLA, you got the number one Duke. Well, used to be number one Duke uh, after what happened against uh, Stephen F. Austin. We'll talk about that here in a minute. And then they play at Oakland, which will probably be played at the Palace or Little Caesars Arena because I know they're not playing um, at Oakland. Um, then they, they're at, at Northwestern, against Eastern, against Western Illinois, and then they got Michigan. So you're going to find out what Michigan State, you already know what Michigan State is going to be. They load their schedule early. They try to find the biggest teams that they can play. And playing against UCLA and playing against Duke back-to-back, coming up in the next week or so, we're going to find out about Michigan State. But let's talk about the number one team in the country, the Duke Blue Devils. And here's how they're not really number one in the country because they just lost to Stephen F. Austin, who was a really good, it was a good team for a low major, even though last season they were around 500. I want to say they were 14 and 16. So this team that was 14 and 16 last year took both, basically the same team they had last year. They come into Cameron Indoor Stadium and in overtime, they beat Duke. At the buzzer. And I knew Duke, me personally, Duke has a good team. I don't think Duke is a top five team. Trey Jones is good. I just don't think they have the pieces this year to be a top five team. For their schedule, they beat Kansas early. And Kansas, you can see they're playing in the Maui Invitational Championship game. But I just, I'm I'm not a fan of Duke this year. I'm not a fan of Duke being a top five team. I think at the end of the year, they end up being a number two seed in the tournament, number two or three seed in the tournament, because in the ACC, I think they're going to struggle with North Carolina. They're going to have they're going to have some battles in the ACC. So I, I just don't think they're a top five team. And you can see when when you're not a top five team, you lose games early games. You're not supposed to lose. You're not supposed to lose to Stephen F. Austin. At home. I don't care who Stephen F. Austin has on their roster. You're not supposed to lose to them at home. So I know the practice that they're going to have after this loss is going to be brutal. They're not going to like that practice at all. But the Duke Blue Devils, not only have they won over 100 straight against teams like this, I want to say they've beaten um, non-ranked opponents. They haven't lost. I don't think they've ever lost to a non-ranked opponents at home. Okay, they had a hundred and fifty game non-conference home winning streak. A hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty. And now all of a sudden they lose at home. So not a fan of Duke's team this year. I think they're okay. I don't think they're going to be a title contender. I don't even think they're going to win the ACC this year. North Carolina is going to win the ACC this year. So Duke, Duke dropped the game at home. They lost at the Buzzards team at Fawson, who was a low major team. And it just can't happen. It can't happen. And, you know, people talk about Coach K. And you can say all you want about Coach K. But this this loss, I can't put it on Coach K. I can't put it on Coach K because he don't dribble, he don't shoot, he don't pass. The players on the floor are supposed to make sure that this does not happen. The possession they had 
where they turned it over and the guy gets to steal for open. It can't happen. If I'm at the top of the key, it's 10 seconds left at the top of the key. I ain't taking the very last shot. I'm not about to dribble in the paint, try to create or whatnot. I don't care what Coach K drew up on the board. I'm taking the last shot. All right, that's what for my players, we always worked on game-winning shots at the top of the key or a game-winning pull-up. Take the last shot. Have the control of the game on your hands. Don't mess around and turn it over and give the opportunity for another team to get a steal. Travel the length of the court for a buzzer-beater game-winner. It just can't happen. And Duke, is a, that's a very, very, very bad loss. It's going to be one of those losses when it comes to the NCAA tournament that's going to prevent them from being a number one seed. Duke will not be a number one seed in the NCAA tournament losing to Stephen F. Austin because that's a 16 seed in the tournament beating the number one. So there's some other teams I want to mention, Division I-wise. I know we've already talked about Division II. We've always talked about Division Three, And the reason why I've laid off on some of the Division I teams, because it's early in the season. you got a lot of teams that's 5-0, 5-1, 4-2, haven't played a, a great schedule. And you're really not going to find out about these teams until they get into conference play, until they start playing some teams that are really going to match them uh, athletic-wise and skill-wise. They're still playing – uh, teams out of conference that are low major buying games and stuff like that. So it's kind of hard to judge one team being undefeated, one team being five and one. But this is a couple teams I want to mention. First is DePaul. DePaul has started out six and one. They just lost to Ohio State, was probably the biggest team they've played so far. I want to say they lost to them by 15 or 16. Uh, Romeo Wings. Romeo Wings is a freshman wing, 6'7", here from the state of Michigan. He played at New Haven High School, was an All-American player, won a state championship, and now he's playing at DePaul. And people are probably like, well, why did he choose DePaul over some of the schools that were recruiting him? Well, it looks like when you look at DePaul's roster, they got some players on this roster. Their leading scorer is Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore out of out of Chicago, the kid can flat out go. He's averaging 17 points a game. He can flat out go. And he's not the only one player on that team. Marquise Jacobs is a high, highly ranked player coming in. Even though he's only averaging six or seven a game, was committed to Kansas, uh, decommits and de commits to DePaul. Uh, Jalen Lance Coleman, that's out of Indy. I mean, DePaul has some players on this roster. So that's a team I want to watch going forward. Right now, like I said, they're five, they're six and one right now. They won their first six games. They, they lost one to Ohio State. And the team can really play. DePaul has some players on their team. I'm just not quite sure how it's going to translate once the conference season starts. So I'm going to be looking forward to watching DePaul play because I like their roster. I like to see what uh, Romeo Williams is doing because that's a that's a Michigan kid. I like to look at the Michigan kids and see what they're doing for their local team. So they're <clears throat> I'm sorry, they're not six and one. They're seven and zero. They're seven and zero. So DePaul is off to probably the best start that they've had in a long time, long time. So I, I want to watch. I want to watch what they're going to do in the Big East. Because the Big East, they got some teams. I mean, you got Butler, you got Xavier, you got Creighton. I mean, Seton Hall is ranked. Villanova is ranked right now. I'm not sure if they're going to continue to be ranked. But when I look at the Big East, I mean, everybody has a winning a winning record right now. And that's going to change once season starts. So take, take notice to the Big East and what those teams do. Because they're going to be some absolute brawls of, of these teams once con conference play starts. Another team I would like to mention is Kent State. 
Or you say, Coach Cam, why you mention Kent State? Why are we not talking about some of the in-state teams? Well, I want to talk about players from Michigan. And Kent State has a couple players from Michigan. Um, their leading scorer right now is Danny Pippen. Danny Pippen is a junior from Allen Academy, 6'9", can stretch the floor, really good at the pick and pop. Uh, he's not really a back-to-the-basket player, but he's a traditional four. He's a traditional four the way the game is played right now. He can put the ball on the floor for dribble handoffs, uh, but his jump shot is really key for them stretching the floor. He leads them in scoring. He's at 14-8 and eight a game. Uh, he leads them in, in rebounding, averaging 7.5 rebounds a game. He's at 2.5 blocks a game. Danny Pippen is having a really good season starting off for Kent State. And it, it's a kid like that that he should have never been at Kent State. Those are the kind of kids you don't let leave the state of Michigan. You don't let him go to Kent State. You don't let players like this go to Toledo and they go to Bowling Green. And Bowling Green, one of their best players, is best two players, is from Detroit, Justin Turner. He's a senior. Guard from Renaissance High School. Played for me as a freshman. You don't let these kind of players lead a state. That's, that's my issue with the, low, with the mid-major schools in Michigan is we're letting players leave our state and they're going to conferences that playing against teams that play in our state and they're, they're making an impact for their teams. Anthony Roberts, that plays at Kent State, should have never left the state of Michigan. However, he was under-recruited. He was under-recruited and he had to play AAU after his senior season. Doesn't work for a lot of people. It works for him. Anthony Roberts, a 6'4 guard out of Detroit, Henry Ford, who's coming off the bench. He starts sometimes. It's kind of, you, you never know. I mean, he's averaging around 12 points a game for Kent State. Some games he starts, some games he comes off the bench, depending on the field for the coach. Majority of the time, he starts. But a kid like that, he should be at UAD. He should be at Oakland. He should be at Central. He should be at Western. And I know it's a log jam. I know there's only a so certain amount of roster spots for players in Michigan. But these kids should not be going in the MAC and having an influx and influence for MAC teams when they can play for MAC teams here in the state. But Kent State is a team I would like to watch going forward. They started out the season six and one. Their only losses to Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State kind of put it on them. Uh, Ohio State top ten teams in the country right now. Uh, but like I said, it's still early. You don't know who is who until conference play starts. You don't know who's who conference play starts, but I like what Kent State is doing. I like the duo of Danny Pippen and Anthony Roberts, uh, two Detroit kids playing at Ohio school. So hopefully going forward, we can start keeping some of these, these, these mid-major kids in the state of Michigan. You know, Harlan Beverly, he's at Miami doing well. He should be at a school like Michigan. Like, so there's a trend of mid-major players here in the state of Michigan. And to say Michigan ain't got players is totally false. It's false. Michigan got players. Do we have high-level ranked players? I mean, we got the best player in the country, Imani Bates. Got the best player in the country, Imani Bates. And we have high-major players. So don't say there ain't players in the state of Michigan because there are. I would just like to see a lot of the mid-major players, instead of going to Kent State and Boulder Green and Toledo and Xavier and Butler, I would like to see these kids stay home. We talking hoops, baby. That's what we do. This week, got a special guest for you guys. Uh, I've been dealing with this man uh, for the last 10 years, coaching high school basketball and coaching college. Got a chance to work his camps. Got a chance to work with him recruiting-wise. One of the best scouts in the state and in the Midwest. I want to welcome TJ Kelly of Inside Prep Sports to this podcast. How you doing, TJ? 
Hey, how you doing, Cam? Thanks for having me on. Good. This week, we, we're talking high school basketball. We're going to preview some high school sports. But we also would like to know kind of the things that you get into as far as scouting. So would you like to tell our listeners uh, how long you've been doing a scouting service and what exactly it is that you do? Let's say there's a huge fan of sports growing up. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to play a lot of sports. You know, it didn't always have to be organized sports. Uh, so I've always had a passion earlier in life. Um, I had an opportunity to uh, spend some years on radio in Detroit and Lansing. It was great. Really allowed me to branch out and kind of figure some things out, um, you know, in my in my early mid-20s. In 2006, 2005, really scouting basketball. Um, I don't believe, I mean, I probably went to maybe like a couple of AAU tournaments or something like that, uh, grassroots basketball tournaments, but, you know, nothing ever serious, you know, I mean, a, might have go watch one of my, you know, one of my friends' uh, sons or something like that. Uh, over the time, uh, I remember, you know, somebody somebody was like, you know, hey, start a scouting service, and like probably like a lot of people that don't know, I didn't know what a scouting service was. How do you get involved? You know, and and, and it was one thing that over anything, it was uh, a test of patience. This if this is really what you want to do, I don't think anybody really busts out there and just gets. 40, 50 subscribers, um, you know, their first year, even, you know, their first couple of years, because you really have to build a a resume, especially for a guy like myself who is coming from the outside world of basketball. I didn't have a a resume that said, you know, this is where I played college. This is where I played uh, whatever professional league. So I really had to, you know, become a, a student of the craft that I wanted to be a part of. Okay, briefly, kind of kind of rewind it a little bit briefly tell me what is a scouting service uh, a scouting service is you, you, I pretty much serve as a liaison to college coaches uh, they, they pay me uh, a yearly you know a one-time pay for the year to gain more subscribers then um, it kind of solidifies yourself um, amongst others obviously amongst the, the college coaches. I didn't really notice how many people noticed me out on the road. I also didn't notice that, you know, college coaches talk amongst each other. You know, one, one thing that, you know, is a, is a great qualifier is, you know, when you have your peers and you have people who are, you know, in the, in the same industry that you're in, and they're the ones that are telling you what a good job you're doing, you know, keep up the good work, words of encouragement. And it really is a drive, t- for me at least, to go out and do more. So if I'm hearing this correctly, these college coaches, they pay you for information. They pay you to go into these gyms and to, to watch these teams play in AAU and play in scrimmages. And they, they're paying you for information about gyms and places they couldn't go. So when you do so, how is it that you, you get subscribers? And what does that mean for, for you as a scouting service? This, this, is, this is 100% correct. I mean, travel, travel is, is, is expensive. Let's say I'm a coach at Providence. You know, if I'm going to fly to Detroit and then fly back, I'm going to stay in the hotel. I'm going to get a hotel room. I'm going to, you know, get something to eat. You know, Cody, I mean, as you know, as a former coach, you know, you'll get back into the, get back into the game soon enough. But, you know, you guys don't, you guys don't want to go into a gym and have no idea of what you're going to see. Um, and so what I think I, you know, and, and other guys like myself, you know, we pretty much try to consolidate everything um, and allow uh, recruiting coaches to get, the, I like to say, the, the, their biggest bang for their buck. 
Um, so if you are traveling, you know, let's say I'm just driving over from Chicago, um, you know, I want to be able to go to, they want to be able to go to a gym. They want to be able to say, all right, this is that guy, this guy, this guy. They'll follow up and go through there. As a casual basketball scouting fan, like how do you know what the coaches are looking for? Hey, beauty is in the, the eye of the beholder. You know, there are some guys that, that I like that, you know, other college coaches might like, but there's another college coach that isn't on board or maybe they, they love them. Um, I think we Mike were in a, a, in a great Beecher, situation man, that's here a great in Michigan. One right there. Um, that guy knows how to Tom coach. Izzo He's at Michigan the best State, out of you. and you got John Beeline at Michigan, from. who He's are recruiting sure vastly different school. players. You know, that they guy, know Williams, what they that's wanted, my guy. We spent some time and together, you know what the success and coach players that have bring about success for them. So tell me this: in the last ten years, so have you been doing a scouting service since? 2005 2006 those years but i would like to know in the last 10 years where has your scouting service expanded how has it grown and what are some of the things that your scouting service does that might be a little different from others uh it's it's expanded geographically a lot more in the midwest than what i was 10 years ago and i will and i'd like to say during the high school season during during the spring and summer i'm everywhere throughout the country and beyond Probably the the biggest point. The other one is amount of hands I think that I've shook over the years that I've reached out to say hello. You know, hey, you wish somebody happy, you know, happy Father's Day. Um, my network is what has really uh, been the biggest difference in the last ten years. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a pretty outgoing guy, so I've never had a problem. You know, going out there and shaking somebody's hand and saying hi and uh, and and introducing myself. I'm um, explaining what I'm what I'm doing. Obviously, I think it's a, a it's a team effort as far as where kids go to school. You know, as we're talking about where guys are going to school, what year for you stood out as a year where you saw a lot of kids uh, go to schools and get ranked, and was just a very good class as far as recruiting is concerned. 2011 was a year where I wasn't really afraid to go out there and be outside of the box. You know, you say trust. You say trust your own eyes. You know, and your your own feel as far as scouting. You know, you're talking about a class that had Brandon Kearney, uh, C. Gibson, Carlton Brunage, Amir Williams, who was a McDonald's, uh, Ladante Henton. Uh, you know, a, a, a quite a few quite a few players. I think was Dewan Anderson who wound up winning Mister Basketball. I think in that class, Dewan Anderson was in that class, and that kid could play. A lot of people didn't know about him because uh, he played he played up north way, way up north, and I knew about him a little bit because he came down to Saginaw to some camps I was doing. I used to take my Renaissance guys up to Saginaw, and it was his kid up north. We didn't know his name, but it was like, man, dude up north is nice. And Let's say this. I wasn't hesitant to say, you know what, Jalen Reynolds is my number one player in this class. And so right. one, thing, one thing, you know, the last time span that you were talking about is you get a little bit more confidence. Let's say this, when you're making, helping make other people successful, it kind of helps you, you know, put your chest out and be like, hey, I, you know, I, I felt like I was part of that. Okay, well, give me one reason that has changed over the years. One thing that I think is, is different is I try to get guys into con college coaches into contact with high school coaches, with 
you know, their grassroots coaches for the simple fact of, shoot, when you're coaching at Detroit Renaissance, you get to see a kid five times in a week at minimum. I might see a kid play five times in a year. You can tell me as a high school coach, hey, so how is this kid? You know, what are his grades like? Oh, I didn't realize he had an injury. You know, a whole bunch of little things where, you know, so I think that that's something where I want to, when I'm going out and evaluating the kid, I want to know exactly where, who I should be telling about this guy. If he's got great grades, then I've, then that's something, then, I, then obviously, you know, he's a qualifier. He can go wherever. So that's where you look at, the, you know, the Ivy Leagues. You look at, obviously, a lot of strong schools in the, the Colonial League, the Patriot, you know, Patriot League out east. You know, we've got Northwestern, which is an extremely strong school. Michigan, obviously. Uh, Vanderbilt, the Stanfords of the world. What it really, what it really allowed me to do is, you know, find out and, and target certain, uh, coaches. And then obviously, you know, you, in, in talking with them, hey, what do you guys need in this upcoming class? What do you guys need in the next class? Instead of me going out there and telling you about a whole bunch of guards that you don't need, you know, I could be like, hey, Cam, here, you know, there, here, here are five bigs in Michigan, here are five bigs in Ohio, here are five bigs in Indiana, um, yeah. you know, and here are a couple over here in, in Ontario, and like we're getting back to what we were, what we were talking about earlier, it allows it allows you to be efficient with your time. Yeah, I'm sure there are different things that you see uh, from recruits in uh, the different platforms that you see them in. This episode that we're talking about, we wanted to dedicate it more time or dedicate more time to the high school season. Uh, the, the Michigan teams here, they just started practice last week. So I want you to give us some teams that you've been looking forward to watching this season and a couple players that um, are on your eye or on your list to watch this year. A young man um, over at Ypsilanti Lincoln um, regarded as the top pro prospect um, in the country. And, uh, you know, he's only a sophomore. Monty Bates won a state championship his freshman year. Obviously, you know, Ypsilanti Lincoln is, uh, is, is a team to see. Monty Bates is who he is. But obviously, you know, he's got teammates as well. And one thing about when you talk about guys like, you know, the Henderson brothers who just transferred over, you got Simon Wheeler, you know, who is also an addition. Um, so I'll definitely be in to see um, Ypsilanti Lincoln. Orchard Lake St. Mary's is going to be down there as well. They're loaded. Tons of guards. You look at a kid like Lauren Bowman, who's a, who should be a Mr. Basketball finalist. I imagine that he will. You know, he's going to Wisconsin. Phenomenal player. One of the best shooters, best pull-up mid-range jumpers in the state. Just, in my opinion, just pure consistency. And I think that he's going to fit in great with Greg Gard's system. Um, with the Badgers. Lauren Bowman is a prospect I really like. He's got an old man game. He's got the mid-range game to him. He's a floor. He's added the three ball to it over the years. He's just a flat-out dog, man. And I really like the way he plays uh, for Orchard Lake St. Mary's, and he should do well at Wisconsin. But his mid-range and his jumper, the way he's shooting the ball now, I mean, he's shooting at a high clip, and that's the reason why the Badgers went on him. Yeah, and the thing is, if you look at it, look where basketball is going. If you can't shoot the ball... You're really limited. Well, you know me. You know me, TJ. The way I look at it like this. If you can't shoot, you can't play. So as a college recruiter, and if I'm looking at you and I'm recruiting your skill set and you can't shoot, in my mind, you can't play. You know, kids that dog it on defense. If you're not putting forth 100% for the time that you're out there, and it's not hard to get a sub. So to leave it all out on the floor, you know, I mean, I kind of look at it from a pride standpoint. And it's one of those things where that, that got, kind of goes into my evaluations. Talk about your alma mater, Cast Tech. I just saw them um, down in Columbus this evening. Tyson, Tyson Acuff, 
uh, headed to Duquesne. Um, I imagine that he will be a Mr. Basketball finalist as well. You know, let's say and saying that they have five guys. I really love Scooby Johnson over at Benton Harbor. I think he's a winner. He's a 4.0 student. I remember talking to him after his freshman year, you know, about about him shooting the ball better. You know, it was probably about 10 or, 10 or 11 months later, and, you know, he's knocking down the game-winning three-pointer over Marcus Bingham, who's at Michigan State now, for the state championship. Stuff is huge because he's showing that's a that's a shot that he took with confidence and you don't get that confidence unless it's practiced over and over again. Jalen Terry, another state champion, um, over at, over at Flint Beecher, who will be a Mr. Basketball finalist. He was going to Michigan State, decommitted. Um, you know, and we'll find out where they go, where they're going. I love going and watching Flint Beecher play because I think Mike Williams is one of the best coaches in the state. Mike Williams, Flint Beecher, man, that's a great one right there. That guy knows how to coach. He's going to get the best out of you. You're going to go hard for him. He's going to make sure you pass the test and you go to school. That guy, Mike Williams, that's my guy. We spent some time together at the Michigan Elite 25. Coach Williams can coach. You, you don't get the five championships, um, you know, by you know by not, by not being a, a, a great uh, a student and a great teacher of the game. So there's a trend that I'm starting to see, TJ, and I'm not sure if this is a Michigan thing, if it's happening in other states. But the trend I'm starting to see here is a lot of kids from Michigan are going to schools out of state. I'm not sure if it's that they don't want to be in state anymore. They don't want to go to the MAC schools. Maybe they feel like they're, they're bigger than the MAC or maybe they feel that they're bigger than D2 GLIAC schools. Um, and they don't want to go to school here in Michigan. What can we do to keep guys like Tyson Acuff that's doing the Duquesne, get him to stay in Michigan? Scoopy Johnson is another one. How do we get kids like Isaiah Jackson to commit to Michigan as, as opposed to Kentucky? So how do we get guys like that, you know, the Romeo Wings who commits to DePaul? And the list goes on and on and on about how these high-level players aren't playing in the state of Michigan. So how are how can can we, uh, as the state of Michigan, or how these schools can get them to stay home? It, it, you know, it's a numbers game sometimes. If I have an offer to Michigan State, um, Jalen Terry, you know, has got offered to Michigan State, and then, you know, then Michigan State winds up, you know, signing another or getting a commitment from another guard. All of a sudden, is that something that I want to be? How far on the burn do I want to be? Do I? No, not you got Rocket Watson there. He's obviously, I mean, he's getting playing starting right now. There are a lot of things that aren't going away. Aaron Henry is still going to get playing time. Is there going to be playing time for me? I think it is a very important question. A lot of kids, let's look at it like this. Uh, Drew Lauder, kid from uh, Holy Cross, who's at Holy Cross from Ann Arbor Pioneer. I'm in, in a lot of kids. You know, I'm pretty much every Division One player. You go and ask them, when was the last time you didn't start? A lot of kids, they're used to playing. You know, you get 32 minutes in a, in a high school game, they're, they're playing 30 of those minutes. You know, right. at minimum, they're playing 25, and they wind up winning that game by 25. And he got his 25. All right, it's time to go to the bench now. I got, I got my points. I think that sometimes it's the opportunities and, and the sell jobs that, you know, that out-of-state coaches, you know, present. You know, there's, there's value in that, you know, to some kids, or it's, in, or it's, in, or it's intriguing. You know, sometimes you've got, you know, if you've got family that's, uh, that's from out east. Um, John Brantley, who, uh, is committed to Lafayette, I believe. You know, dad, but dad, is, but dad's from the, but dad's from the east coast. Um, you know, so I mean, if you got family over on the east coast, then yeah, I get it. You know, sometimes, 
you know, leaving is a is a is a is a good change. You know, the, everybody's environment isn't the same. Those are some great points. I agree with you on that. All right, well, tell me this: you, you gave me some teams that we should be looking forward to, and I know there even some of those teams are teams that we've spoken about on this podcast. Who, if you had to right now, if you had to make a choice for Mister Basketball in the state of Michigan right now. Who are you picking? Who's your top three guys? Let's go. Coach Cam, hot seat. Give it to me. There are two guys, and I'm a, a follower of of history and how things have panned out in the past. I think that the the two guys who are leading right now have to be Carlos Johnson, who wound up winning the state championship, been to the Breslin Center two times. Then you've also got Jalen Terry, who also won a state championship. But I think that those two guys, just because they've had, you know, state champion, state championship success, everybody has seen them because they played on the, on the largest scale. I think they're, you know, sometimes where you go as far as the playoffs has a lot to do with it. There are not a lot of guys who have lost after they've won state championships. So I want to say Brad Redford beating Draymond Green, Deshaun Thrower over Edmund Sumner. I think that that's, is huge in in my opinion. Um, I know that obviously, you know, geographically, some people are like, well, that kid's going to Michigan State. I would say Jalen Terry would be the front runner if he was still committed to Michigan State. You know, unfortunately, you know, that's not the situation. And hopefully it will be unfortunate if where he decides to go to school impacts people's voting. Uh, we don't have any kids that are going to Michigan or Michigan State this year. So, yeah, when, w- without any players being committed to Michigan or Michigan State, I mean, this would be the year that a team, that a, that a player that isn't committed to Michigan or isn't committed to Michigan State wins Mr. Basketball in the last 10 years. It's only happened three times, that last time being in 2014 when uh, Deshaun Thrower won it. That went to Stony Brook. Yeah, yeah, in this class. Um, you know, but then you go back a couple of years ago, you know, and, and shoot, I think, I mean, look at all the sophomores that are from Michigan, you know, on the Michigan, on the Michigan State team. You know? All right, TJ, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on my podcast to talk to my, my following of about five or six people. But uh, another question I got for you before we, we send you on your way. If you are a D2 GLIAC coach, give me one or two guys that the GLIAC needs to be all over. And what I'm trying to say is, I need a couple names that might not be on people's radar. Some guys said, if I coach in the GLIAC, I really hope you're not saying their name. So give me a couple names of a couple guys who I will call the GLIAC special guys. I really like James Felton. I thought that he was a, a Division II player, um, kid out of Lansing Christian, six okay. foot eight, and he can shoot the ball a little bit, good athlete, gets up and down the floor, just needs to you know, you know, get stronger. You know, he needs to, you know, get in the weight room. Davenport will take care of that. So I would like to say maybe James Felton was a sleeper. I really like a kid out of South Lion East. His name is Mick Branton. He was hurt his sophomore year or on, sophomore junior year. Didn't really play a lot, but I thought that he was an eye-opening player over the spring and summer. Yep, he played for uh, Jordan Epps, former Ann Arbor Basketball Academy. I believe he's called 803 now. But Mick is 6'8". He's... 230 plus pounds gets up and down the floor he plays with a great motor he looks to dunk everything he's blocking shots he's rebounding he plays within himself if you give him a 15 foot jumper he's gonna take it but he'd rather score in the paint yeah i mean i well i mean i think that he you know he's a kid that 
we'll we'll get his we'll get his looks. If I could give a, a shameless plug, I believe they're playing on uh, December 28th in the Motor City Round Ball Classic at Ferndale High School, and uh, they play uh, Dearborn Heights, Annapolis. Avery Ismail is a six-seven post player, power forward for Annapolis, and I think that that's a great matchup. I think that there will be you know small schools that will be in to see both. I am, have also encouraged. Uh, GLIAC coaches as well as Division One coaches that are that are in the area and out of the area. And the reason why I asked you about a couple of sleepers because it seems like every year there's always one or two guys who they don't get the Division One love, they don't get the D two love, that they're flying under the radar, and under, all of a sudden they go prep school or they get one offer from a GLIAC school or one offer from a low major, and then they blow up. So could you give us a couple examples of some kids that were flying under the radar and just all of a sudden, boom, just came to the spot that were under recruited and maybe just just didn't get the love that they deserved and just ended up uh, working out well for them? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, there, the thing is, we've been lucky enough where there's sleepers that have gone on to have gone on to have success. I look at the Hankerson brothers, Wisconsin Green Bay, uh, Joe Lewis in the Horizon League playoffs. You know, he, he hung 36 or something like that on University of Detroit. Yep. You know, his only Division yep. One offer was Wisconsin Green Bay. Perfect example is uh, Joe Moon. Joe Moon, 2019 kid from Westland, John Glenn. He was a Mr. Basketball finalist last year. Had zero Division One offers. Had a phenomenal year. First day that college coaches could go out on the road, they go to Woodstock Prep where Joe is, you know, where, where Joe wound up going after graduating from um, Westland, John Glenn. And of course, uh, Brian's head coach, Jared Grasso, who I've been fortunate to know for the last dozen years. You know, he hit me up on, you know, he hit me up on Twitter, you know, and he's like, hey, you know, he's like, what's going on with this kid? What's, what's wrong with this kid? You know, I mean, nothing's wrong with him. You, you, you know, you'll be looking at, you guys will look at a kid, oh, there's got to be something wrong with this kid if he doesn't have any Division One offers. Yeah, and sometimes there is something, um, whether it be a criminal pass, whether it be not having grades, whether, it, you know, just be issues with teammates or any, something like that. You know, Joe Moon was none of that. A month and a half later, he winds up committing, and I think that he's going to be a, you know, a, a fine fit for Bryant. I really like your take on unsigned players and under the radar guys. So give me a couple more guys that should be on people's radars that they aren't right now. Uh, you know, as far as some sleepers, I'd like, I, I, I really like, I'm not sure if he's going to go play football. I really like Curtis Jackson over at Harper Woods High School. I know that he's got a football offer to Davenport. I'll check up with him and see, you know, what other football offers he has. I think that he's a GLIAC player all day long, but he can shoot. He can make, he can finish on either side of the basket. You know, he takes care of the ball. You really love that, that, that quality from him. All right. Those are some really good players. I, I can appreciate the insight. I can appreciate the info, TJ. You dropping some nuggets on me, man. I really appreciate it. Well, we going to keep you on the coach cam hot seat for a minute right here. And here's a question I have for you today. Uh, I know you covered in Michigan, the Metro Detroit area. You covered the PSL. Can Frederick Douglass win the PSL this year? And who are your top three teams you're looking for in the PSL? Yes. I think over the last, you know, few years, you know, it's been Cass and a King. You know, obviously, Renaissance East English Village. You know, they've graduated guys. Pershing is intriguing just because they're loaded with sophomores and I know those guys spend a lot of time in the gym together. I think that their I think that their chemistry, their bonding as a team, their friendship is one of the things which is really gonna help them and 
and help them play beyond their years, saying that they're sophomores, you know, on the court, they're mature. Okay, Cass is a perennial power. King is going to be there, and of course, Persian is going to be young. But I asked you about Frederick Douglass. Can Frederick Douglass win it all this year? It's nice when you have the number one player in the PSL. Let's say this. If somebody were to say Pierre Brooks is the number one player in the 2021 class, I'm not going to disagree with him. Pierre Sr., Pierre Sr. winning a PSL championship with King, I think, helps. I think that 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 Pierre Brooks, the second, wants to win a PSL title. I think it's something that, you know, that he's, you know, been on many adventures and been to probably every PSL championship game, you know, since before he can remember. There's a lot of pride um, that goes that, that goes along with that. I think, you know, you know, obviously, you know, he's got he's got some pieces, you know, that'll go along well well with that as far as people's as McClendon, um, the big fellow in the middle. Their support group will be the difference. Their Achilles heel might be from their point guard position. Um, if I'm looking at a, you know, Cast Tech, they've got Division One backcourt. You know, Tyson Acuff is going to be licking his chops at six foot three and close to 200 pounds, athletic, and he's going to Duquesne, and you know, it, and he's he's going to look to exploit other teams. King, you know, they're going to have something to say about that as well. I think that King is, you know, the deepest team in the in the PSL. I can see King, you know, maybe not this year, but next year. I mean, are they? I think that they. They're going to have the depth. They're going to have the size. And then Chauncey's like 6'2 now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really just excited about the season. I like to take a little bit of a break in between, um, you know, August and, and the season, you know, just to kind of rejuvenate myself. Um, you know, sometimes when you're in the gym all the time, it just becomes so repetitive where, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, this is what I'm doing. Shoot, I'm, I'll tell you this. I, tonight I was excited to, or this afternoon, I was excited to, to drive down to Columbus. Um, and go watch and go watch some some basketball players that I haven't seen before. Go rehash some players that I have seen, and I think that that's one of that's all part of you know the scouting business is part of being efficient and being um, you know as, as honest to the player as possible with the evaluations and the college coaches is going and seeing guys that multiple environments. Okay, I can respect that. You see enough players to, to tell me exactly who the GLIAC should be on. And, and, and as that be said, if, coaches, if you're listening, put these guys on your radar. Make sure you go check them out. Make sure you go to the Motor City Round Ball. TJ will be there every day covering all the games. Make sure you go support, support, support. TJ, just want to thank you for being on my podcast this week. You gave me some real nuggets as far as scouting, some real nuggets of some recruits we weren't privy to. Gave us a little insight on how the scouting game works. So I appreciate you coming on my platform to talk to my people. And I want to wish you uh, well this season uh, in your safe travels, going to city to city and state to state and seeing these players and these games. And us here at the We Talking Hoops podcast, we appreciate you and your work. And we'll talk to you later, TJ. Hey, greatly appreciate your time. Greatly appreciate everybody uh, tuning in, um, listening. Uh, hey, value value our friendship. Um, you know, it's been, it's been great to work with you in the past, you know, hopefully in the future. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I love what you're doing. And, uh, you know, the basketball, you're making, the, you're making the basketball world a better place. So that's it, man. 
That's it, man. Episode two, we talking hoops, baby. That's what we do. It's the coach that knows hoops the most. We talked NBA. We talked D1. We talked D2. Talked D3. Man, we covered a lot of basketball this week. I just want to give a huge shout out to at Scoop IPS for the interview for the podcast this week. Make sure you guys tune in. Get you some turkey. Happy Thanksgiving off. You know, get off your feet. Watch the Lions lose. Drink a beer, relax, enjoy your family. Happy Thanksgiving. And I'm going to see you guys next week. It's your coach that knows who's the most. And I'm a holler. Peace. He's that dude, too cool, so smooth with the hoop news. Every week we talking hoops, this is season two. So buckle up for this ride, that's what you need to do. Because we talking hoops. Yeah.
for trash. 